0: this is intended to be a pretty basic course. Uh, as I said this morning, we get an email after the session from last year and just with ideas. And so I threw out a bunch of pretty practical ideas for um, applying some physical therapy principles to patients and in clinics and stuff. And particularly um, now we're looking, at, we did a couple of courses this time for applying these things for non-physical therapists. So if you have any questions along the way, you have any... We're going to try to cover the basic nomenclature, the basic gait patterns, how to progress someone off of that onto you know, more of a, a rehab type of uh, situation. So this, with a small number here, can be very casual, but I don't want to go too long so that we're uh, run, running into the next one. So... All right, so... Um, These are the objectives. Um, Again, this will be on the website, so we don't have to go over every line here necessarily. But the idea is that you can learn how to progress. First of all, how to fit someone properly for an assistive device, how to take them through that kind of weight-bearing process, and then how to rehab them once they uh, have full weight-bearing. But yet their, their strength and their balance may not be complete. And this is just about me here and I, I say i was i was I uh, went to school in the nineteen hundreds and uh, never survived that but somehow i' no I'm not going to gain anything uh, by giving this lecture, so I just don't want you to know all of that so what are we doing we're uh, this is for you to help uh, help you think through the basic and then progressive walking or gait patterns um, which most of us know something about that and uh, but when it comes time to actually um, fitting someone for crutches or whatever, it might be a little bit of a challenge to think back about, let's see, what did they say about that? And It's kind of amazing how many patients I get who come from the ER or from the orthopedic uh, ward and uh, their crutches aren't fitting right and they aren't doing anything that's really, um, you know, the way that it should be. So this is just, a, again, a practical application here. And uh, I think Will was talking last night more about hands-on type of thing, that, that we're moving a little bit more to the, instead of the theoretical, the practical. And so that's kind of what we're doing here. So let's just talk about terms. The court gait is a walking pattern, um, officially movement of, of the limbs of animals, including human beings, uh, for locomotion on a solid surface. Um, ambulation is the process of moving. So, Ambulating can be walking, but it can also be, uh, you know, you can ambulate in a wheelchair. and, and uh, So that's kind of a more of a general term than gait specifically. Non-weight bearing means that there's absolutely no weight intended to be put through the extremity at all. So we're talking lower extremities. Um, <clears throat> partial weight bearing then can have a variety of applications. You can go from toe touch or touchdown weight bearing, which is just basically you're assisting the patient to take the weight of that leg off of the body so they don't have to sustain that in the air all the time but there's really no intention that you're going to put weight through the through that foot so it's toe touch or touch down so you can just apply the force of the foot to the ground but no weight bearing then we also have a percentage of weight bearing uh, which is you know 25% or 50% which is usually measured with A scale. You just uh, have the patient kind of put their foot down on the scale and see what half their body weight feels like, so they can kind of get a perspective of, you know, am I putting too much weight through there? And of course, most of it is is progressive, so that we're intending for them to be more functional, but not to have the uh, to uh, overload the joint or the area, the fracture site, whatever you're trying to rehab at this point. Again, a hand up means I'll call on you and you can ask the question. All right, Uh, weight-bearing is tolerated means that there's really no weight limit, but that it has to be comfortable for the patient. So it may not be that they can put full weight on it, but uh, weight-bearing is tolerated. So just as long as their experience is good, that they're not having a a lot of pain while they're weight-bearing or leftover problems after progressing like that. And then full weight-bearing just means that there's... uh, no uh, weight-bearing no weight, no weight bearing limits, and they should be able to load the foot completely. Uh, sometimes you'll go full weight-bearing but still need an assistive device just to unload that, just kind of uh, for precautions, just because the patient isn't really sure about it yet. You know, they're just coming out of the cast or boot or whatever, and they're not sure that they can really tolerate full weight-bearing. So those two are kind of similar, um, but uh, the weight Either way, we don't really want the patient to have any symptoms related to their weight-bearing. Specifically, that would be in the joint that's been fixed, the fracture site that's been fixed, or they're going to have some symptoms probably related, particularly after they've been immobilized for some time. They're going to have some normal joint stiffness and discomfort, but that's different than you know, fracture site pain or something like that. So we're just going to go over um, some assistive devices, uh, talk about canes and um, the variety of different types of canes, uh, crutches, and then specifically fitting of crutches. Those are probably the hardest things to fit for most people that aren't PTs, uh, just to make sure that we're weight-bearing properly through those, and then also walkers, and we'll talk about the different kinds. I just have a few visual aids here with me that we'll kind of use. Okay, so uh, on the left is a rolling walker. You can have a variety of different types of walkers. Uh, this one obviously is for mobile patients. Sometimes the wheels are too mobile and they can't, they don't have the stability, so they need to have four regular uh, ends to the to the walker without wheels. Um, in the middle, you see a regular ax, what we call axillary crutches and lost strand crutches or forearm crutches. So the forearm crutches. Basically, just have a strap that goes around the forearm and handle, and uh, those are for patients generally who are long-term but have upper body control, so that they can uh, just get along by taking, by using the lower lower parts of the upper extremities for the weight-bearing transfer. And then we have uh, a large base quad -quad cane, more commonly used in. In stroke rehab, or uh, where one patient needs more stability than just a straight cane, Um, are any of you working on the mission field right now, or in a facility where you have to do these kind of things? You don't have PT support, or yeah, okay. And where Sierra Leone, West Africa. Okay, great. So. So again, as we progress the the weight bearing through the extremity, we're going to decrease the amount of assistance. So the maximum assistance will be a walker or two crutches. And then we'll talk about the different gait patterns that we're going to go through. Other examples are the, uh, you know, the foldable canes, um, the rolling, four-wheeled rolling walkers with the brakes. Those are pretty popular right now. The nice thing about that is it really, for people, are pretty stable and safe. Uh, just gives them a little extra assist and then they can sit on it too if they need to along the way. Uh, We're not going to talk about wheelchairs, but that is another assistive device uh, for what we call ambulation or movement. But we'll be primarily just doing uh, talking about canes and crutches and walkers today. Okay, so depending upon how much weight and control you want to take off the extremity, uh, that will determine the gait pattern that you're going to use. So we're going to talk about four-point, three-point, two-point gates, and uh, again, this is just to help you understand how do I have someone who can't put much weight down at all protect that limb, and then what can we go to to make them more functional but still protective, and then quite functional, and then totally functional and going through the rehab process. So right now, this is called a four-point gait pattern. That means you're going to have four points, two feet, and two, two crutches in this case. Um, so you can see in the pattern there that you start out with two feet, two crutches, and you're going to move alternately one crutch, the opposite foot, and then the other crutch and the opposite foot. So those are the four points that are moving, actually. And so I give you the idea that there's three points. This is the safest gate pattern because you have actually three points on the ground at all at any one time, and you're just moving one point at a time. So you're either moving a crutch or a foot. Or a crutch or a foot. So the typical verbal command would be left crutch, right foot, right crutch, left foot. And uh, so this is very a very slow, deliberate gait. It's safe, uh, as safe as it gets, and w- would be used with those people who are just starting out, progressively weight bearing, or who are just not very stable, don't have this trunk or hip or leg stability, and just need to have three points on the ground at one time. Any questions about a four-point gait pattern? So the the commands really are important. So when you're when you're training someone to walk, uh, if you're in a clinic situation, then you know a, a gait belt is important. So a stability belt to hold them in position, so that if they lose their balance, you've got control of them. And then um, the verbal commands are very important because they're not going to know what to move, and sometimes they're not going to know how to do that. And it might take them some time to figure out left foot, right, left foot, right cane, whatever it is. Okay. So <clears throat> the verbal commands are important to understand so that you can apply that to the, to the, specifically to the pattern. So now we go to a less assistive, less stable, more advanced gait pattern. Still, still pretty controlled and careful a so three point gate uh, is with the use of uh, a walker a cane or one or one crutch and whenever I say crutch you can use a cane in place of that too so you could have two crutches two canes or one or one of each technically if, you, if that's what you need so the obviously the walker is lo, is more stable than the crutches the crutches tend to be more stable than the cane although some people don't like the complication of what a crutch means and so they might just be more comfortable just using canes at that point depending upon how much support they need. So one cane or crutch is used in the opposite hand of the involved extremity or you're going to use the walker as your um, point. So three points would be something moving and then the left foot and the right foot. It could be the walker that goes ahead by itself and then you take one foot and the other foot. You're going to take the affected foot first, generally. So you're going to take, if your left side's affected, you're going to do walker, left foot, right foot, and that would be um, the three points that are moving at any one time. Same way with a, with a cane, you could do a cane as a three or one crutch on the side could be could be a three-point gait as well. At that point, you're moving one cane, the foot opposite, and then the foot closest. So this represents, the square represents the large base quad cane. And so you're moving the cane, then you're moving the left foot, and then you're moving the right foot. This one you're moving the walker, head, and one foot, and then the other foot. And again, the command is important. Right right crutch, right cane, or walker, and then left foot, right foot. Penny upon if that's your left, if that's the one that you're protecting. Can you see how this is a little less stable than the four-point gate? That there's actually um, (coughs) things. There's actually only three points available, and only two points on the ground at one time. Questions on that? Keep moving. This would also be considered a three-point gate using the crutches as one point, and then each foot individually. So it's crutches, right foot, left foot. Um, this, is, this would be very typical of uh, a weight-bearing process after, let's say, a knee surgery or something like that. So you're going to do the crutches and then the affected side and then the non-affected side so that the affected side is being protected between the crutches. The non-affected side is then can be independent. So in this case, the right side would be involved. You move the crutches forward. And then the right foot, and then the left foot. Now we can get down to two points. So this, there's a variety of different two-point gates. Uh, so this would be uh, the crutches as one point, and the and the feet as one point. So this is kind of a swing two gate type of pattern. So you start with th- uh, crutches and uh, uh, feet together, you bring the crutches forward, then you swing both feet forward. This is not used very often. It might be for someone with, uh, with CP or um, bilateral lower extremity weakness where they don't really have one leg that's better than another leg, so they kind of move both legs together, and yet they have enough stability to support themselves when they're moving the, the crutches along. This is another two-point gate, so you have have just one foot and two crutches on the ground. (coughs) So on the far end, you start that way, and then you're going to move both crutches forward, and then you're going to step through with a a weight-bearing foot, and then you come back to the starting position again. Again, these are becoming less stable, more challenging but more independent as well, more functional. Any questions on the gate? Patterns, 432 points. Again, this will be available on the website, so if you need to refer back to it. It's a progression of uh, maximum protection and safety to less protection and safety. So if we talk about uh, the walker fitting, now we're going to fit the devices. So basically... Both the canes and the walkers are, the, are fitted the same way. And what you want the patient to do is stand with the assistive, or stand with the normal posture and their arms at their, at, resting at their sides, and then the hand rest should be at at the wrist on that side or on both sides if you're doing the walker. So that gives them uh, then the stability so that they have about uh, between 15 to 30 degree angle at the elbows when they're using the the device. So when you're fitting crutches, it's it's a little bit different. I think there's different ways to do this. Basically, when you have a crutch, you don't really want weight-bearing on the underarm, the axillary uh, tissues. So basically, you want the crutch to be at the height of the ribs, the upper ribs, so that as you're applying force, your hand is able to bear enough weight. So again, 15 to 30 degrees here, and um, the uh, axillary pad should be below the axilla, probably just on the side of the ribs. So the way we do that is we kind of uh, start out the biggest thing you don't, you don't want the crutches too long, so that as they're swinging them through, they're getting them caught all the time. And so um, we put this—I put this diagram out. It's a general um, measurement of six inches out and then two inches forward. So somewhere out in the front, out in the front and to the sides is where you should measure it. And then at that point, it should be about three inches or three finger widths underneath between a relaxed arm. And so I should be able to get, these are a little bit low for me, but I should be able to feel about three uh, finger widths below the uh, relaxed axilla down to the top of the crutch. And at that, at that point, then they have the ability to put, and then the hand grip needs to be a place where you can get to get some good leverage on top of it, again, probably 15 to 30 degrees at the elbow. And so as you're weight-bearing through and, and, and leaning forward to weight-bearing, you're doing most of your weight-bearing through your hands and not really through the, axillary pads at all the most common thing I see is they're too short people don't measure them high enough <clears throat> so the patient needs to be standing upright for any of those measurements whether it be the cane at the uh, wrist or the axillary pads uh, when they're standing any questions on that? okay So when you go to, now you're going to be training these people, and in this case, we have, let's say, we have partial weight bearing on the cast. There's a walking cast there, but can't put full weight on it. Um, That obviously, when you can put a little bit of weight, the touchdown weight bearing or partial weight bearing onto the foot, there's a lot more control than when you can't. But in general, walking stairs and ramps, you're going to walk. you're going to go up with the good foot and down with the, with the bad foot, and you're going to use the crutches along with the bad foot. So just think up with the good, down with the bad, and the crutches go with the bad. So in the case on the left there, he would be standing on the step. He'd step up with the left foot, and then or uh, the good foot, I should say, and then he might bring the other foot up and then the crutches or bring those together up to the next level. Coming down, you're going to probably put. You're going to start by putting the crutches down to the next level. Follow that with the um, light, the non-weight-bearing foot, and then allow yourself to go down with the control of the good foot. So <clears throat> this is just a written out portion of the stairs. Um, Crutches go with the bad, I go up with the, down, up with the good, down with the bad. Use a railing whenever possible, so railing just adds, adds stability. Usually what we do is uh, you take one crutch. You can either put both crutches underneath and use a railing, or sometimes we'll just do this kind of thing and use the railing on the other side. Always think of stability and safety when you can, so... Using a railing is helpful for that. Uh, ramps. So, the only thing with ramps is that you need to, when you're going up, you just need to lean into the ramp. And when you're going down, you need to kind of decelerate yourself so you're not getting too fast down the ramp. You just kind of lean back a little bit. Usually, nothing too tricky there. So, I just put this in because some of you may be working with patients who have had strokes and have weakness on one side. And um, so this is just kind of some general guidelines of working with a, with a stroke patient. And, again, this will all depend on their ability to – you certainly want them to be able to uh, to sit and do some functional things. And this is not intended to be all-inclusive here, but it just gives you some ideas about it. So um, first thing you do, just want to do is assess that you've got active motion, enough strength in the leg to support some weight. Um, and that they have some control over that and that their knee is stable and not giving way. Um, so if you do find that uh, they have adequate strength to lift the leg and they contract the muscles and, they, and you can do some general assessment of their ability to use the leg, then you can begin with standing, holding onto to a, a stable object with a counter or a table type of thing. You can assess their weight bearing, their ability to weight bear through the foot. Uh, whether they have assistance with the other hand, depending upon the stroke, uh, they may or may not. Always use a gait belt um, so that you can assist them. And then I would just start with weight-bearing, weight-shifting onto the affected side if you're not sure that they are able to bear weight through that. And then you're going to do, eventually, if you feel that they're stable enough and they can start to do some walking, if they don't have function on one hand so you can't really use a walker, then you're going to use one of the large base quad canes or a cane of some sort or a crutch on the other side. And they're going to move that in, in basically a three point gait. So it's going to be the crutch or cane, the affected side, and then the non affected side. So, um, and so everybody always, you know, if you aren't trained, you just, if you have an affected side, uh, you've had knee surgery or something, they always want to put the crutch and the cane on the side of the surgery, and it's really actually, if you look at it mechanically, it it does a better job of taking the weight off the leg by putting it on the opposite leg if you're just using one uh, crutch or one cane. So that would be on the opposite of the affected side. And obviously with a stroke patient, if they don't have function of their hand, you can only have one option for that. So then when the three-point gate is used, uh, you should all stand to the, the non-affected side so they're stable side, so that if the balance is lost, you can pull them and help them up with the leg that does function well. And uh, usually the uh, larger base gait uh, is used, so the larger base quad cane is helpful because it can stand on its own, and it actually gives you more stability with that. So. Okay, so now we're going to talk about what do you do after the patient has kind of come through the non-weight-bearing stages, the partial weight-bearing, the full weight-bearing, and now they're off the crutches. And you're out in the clinic someplace, and you don't have a therapist to do any rehab. So these are just some suggestions for you as far as progression and what to do. So we're going to look at... uh, uh, we're going to look at the gate. Uh, so proper weight-bearing, weight-shifting, including uh, strength and coordination is important. So you can do some coordination activities if they're safe. If you have a facility where there's a bar along the wall or parallel bars, where we can put up chairs with their seats facing the back. So you have the backs of the chairs to kind of use for balance. You can start uh, doing some drills where you'd work on um, – Walking in a straight line, walking sideways, forwards and backwards, up and down stairs, um, and progression of those. So we're going to look at that. Um, balance. So balance is important to be not only static balance, so that when you're just standing still that you can balance on your foot. Uh, so that's the beginning. And then you can also progress to uh, dynamic balance activities where you're, where you're moving and weight shifting and balancing in that way. Um, and then eventually running in coordination, uh, progression that way and dynamic activities. So here are just a few suggestions on walking drills. Um, again, you may have somebody who's, who doesn't really have their coordination back or their balance back, but they're safe on their feet. So you can use one foot directly in front of another. You can do um, sidestepping over objects. We usually use like styrofoam cups or something. So if they miss it, no big deal. They're not gonna hurt themselves and you're not gonna ruin anything that's valuable. Um, so you can work on coordination of sidestepping um, or forward-stepping over objects, uh, walking sideways. And then there's this kind of karaoke pattern, which is kind of walking and crossing your legs as you walk sideways. Backward walking, that's a very functional. Because yep. if you open refrigerator door, you don't have to back. Sure. Yep. So all those things that are... Um, you know, required for normal activities. So the progression of this would just be that you'd start out slowly and carefully, and if they're successful, you just build uh, more distance or more speed or um, lifting their legs higher or in different directions, that kind of thing. You can also advance with uh, having them carry something while they're going through the drills so maybe dumbbells in their hands or something functional so they get used to that type of uh, different types of weights going through the body. So static balance is just standing um, and you 'll see on the uh, in the middle basically she 's just uh, standing next to something using her hands and basically the way I teach that is you just you hold on you're stable, and then you take your support away by keeping and keeping your foot up at the same time, and you can kind of progressively work on that and then um, If that's really easy, you know, if you can measure a 30 to 60 second hold and somebody's just kind of standing there looking cross-eyed at you wondering what you're doing here, you can start to disturb the upper balance a little bit. So you can throw a ball or have them move their arms around or use asymmetrical dumbbells or something like that which is going to reproduce some of the kind of more normal things that they might do in a normal life. So life is not, is very seldomly symmetrical. So, you know, you may lift an object where you're lifting equally with both hands, but more commonly you're going to have something that's probably heavier on one end and lighter on the other. So kind of shifting that around is often valuable. So I don't always just use four-pound dumbbells on each side. I might use a three and a six or something like that because that's, that's kind of the way life is. On the left one, you can see that there, there's a folded towel under the foot. So to challenge... Um, so if you go in a rehab facility, you're going to see some of these balance half balls on the floor and different things that people stand on to get better balance. And at home, you can just do that by folding a towel, just stacking towels. And the higher it is, the less stability you're going to have, the more your foot is going to wander to find, try to find that stability and kind of hold and protect. So you might start with one or two and then advance to three. And then you can do the static standing balance with some instability in the ankle, but yet a very safe environment. So that helps them to understand where the foot and ankle are during positions of uh, functional activities like walking on level surfaces and that type of thing. So next advanced stage would be what we call lunging. Lunging is just a step forward, sideways, backwards. Actually, there's a million different directions that you can technically move. So if we put a lunge matrix out here, you can see that you're standing in the middle of the matrix. You can go A as anterior, P as posterior. You can go median lateral. You can also go with a combination of any of those. You can divide that pi by less and less. And so there's really a lot of variety that you can add. To that, so you might do an anterior lunge, a short step, and back, and just see what their tolerance is for that, or their balance is like. Um, and then, if they're good, you just advance that. So, if I go back here, you can see the second part there says "advance as tolerated by increasing distance, speed, angle, loading, and reaching." So, if I just do an anterior lunge and just take a step, and I've only do two or three feet, that may be very safe and very easy and comfortable. And so I have alternate, I have choices. I can make that step longer. I can make it quicker back and forth. I can start to load it with, I can change the angle. So now it's not just straightforward, but I'm going out sideways or I'm rotating backwards. So that makes it more challenging. Then the other thing is um, loading it. So now I can take dumbbells in my hands and I can do a lunge, but I can do a reach with that as well. So I'm actually training them how to transfer weight onto that foot and to trust that foot and to know where the foot is in space. And um, so really there's, there's a ton of options here, uh, lunging in different directions. And then by what you put in for your upper body, you can actually really change the forces that are going through that, that leg. And, again, depending upon what they do for a living or what they do uh, for recreation, um, that's one option to really challenge. So they could do a lunge with an anterior anterior reach down to their knee, or they could do a lunge with an anterior reach down to their ankle if they go all the way down. Um, You can ask them to go down and then come back up with their hands uh, or just go out with the hands. There's just literally thousands of different options and what we're trying to do is reproduce functions. So we're trying to train them in the ability to handle whatever uh, life brings to them. And so once you get through a variety of different motions and activities, generally they're going to um, have success with that and be able to live their normal stuff. Um, <clears throat> this is another one, of balance. So this is dynamic uh, balance reach. And so the balance reach is um, basically standing on one foot. And then I'm going to just touch down with my foot in different positions. And I'm going to reach all, as far as I can. I may touch a chair. I may reach out to the side. I may reach across. The idea is that you're changing the mechanics and the body mechanics over that foot, trying to challenge that as you can. Any questions so far? So basically, um, in a setting where there's no formal therapy or rehab, some of these principles can be applicable uh, for nursing staff or whatever other people who may be interested in progressing. Um, just remember, all progression and activities must be safe and appropriate for the age of the patient and their disability, their pain levels, and, and then what they can handle safely. Um, It's okay to feel some residual uh, soreness, but not to cause any further symptoms or problems. And like we all say, do no harm. So that's all I have. That was not, its only about 40 minutes worth, but anybody have a question? Yes, Patty. I've seen a lot of people that have um, been in an accident of some sort, haven't really had their legs set properly. So they end up with one leg shorter than the other, mm-hmm. and they've got a very bad sheet. And I was wondering if there any recommendations of, you know, one runner and one flip-flop. I don't know. Yeah. Try to equalize that more. How do you stabilize them better? Yeah, I, well, it's very significant, um, which means an inch or more probably. Then you probably have to have an orthotic, and uh, you know, someone may – You just make up a shoe or you put enough in one shoe to make up a difference, you know, to give them at least something level. You might look at them as they're standing and just kind of look at the top of the pelvis and kind of see how far off they are. Um, Are you in a setting in the U.S. where you have access? No, yeah. So, you know, know, pieces of cardboard or leather or other types of things that you could put inside the shoe or tape to the flip-flop or whatever they have on, you know, for that to kind of gain some, particularly just under the heel, primarily all that. You'd like to have the whole foot supported that way. So, um, yeah, but anything more than probably an inch or more is going to be difficult. Uh, Because in the U.S., you can probably do an inch or a little bit more inside the shoe, but then you get two inches or more, then they start putting, you know, extra soles on the bottom. So, yeah, that's difficult. That's a hard one. What you said, though, looks good for no-way bearing if you have someone that's not wanting to keep their weight off. If you will take the shoe off the involved foot and just put the shoe on the good, mm-hmm. foot. Good. Right, right. Um, that helps them remember and really gives them a little bit of height so they can. Sure. Yep. You said all of this is on the... The CMDA? No, this will be actually on the Medical Missions, on the okay. Global Missions Health Conference website. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving here, and I'm taking it down to there, and they can load it up. So, uh, If you're in a setting that you, say, wouldn't have a walker or a crutches or anything to have any recommendations for, makeshift. You... Stick. stick. Yeah, stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. I live in the woods, you all. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to do whatever you've got, and you know. And, uh, just try to emulate a base like you would have. Yep, and some sort of support. Um, again, that's where your creativity becomes challenged. But, you know, we've been uh, doing short term trips where we take a lot of stuff with us. Um, and so, a, a resource of some sort is what do you always find good. What's useful thing that you take with you that you dispense most often? Uh, probably wheelchairs, you know, because we really. There's almost always every year we have kids coming in who are 17 years old and they have CP and they've never walked and they can't sit up straight and their mom carries them in and she's been carrying them for 17 years and a wheelchair just completely changes that family's life. But, so that's what we try to do. Yeah. I've seen walkers made out of PVC pipe too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. For Halloween, I I see the little pictures and it would work, I guess, for open. Yeah. But so that's something <coughs> you can yeah, you keep it very light. You can take different pieces in cut. Them so, where do you where do you live or work? Uh, we just do short-term medical missions. Okay. Trips, but uh, with doctors, dentists, and, uh-huh. and nurses and but quite often the people that are coming to see the doctors are coming because you know, they've broken their leg but right. they can't afford to have set, right. it to set up and now it's not properly and then Want to know what can be done, or they come because they've got pain in their body because their pain is very bad. Right. Yeah. Is there any kind of warehouse? Uh, now, I, mean, I don't know the right words, not warehouse, but it's, um, like resources in the United States where they would have extra supplies. Like I just retired from Jefferson Community Technical College, and I don't know what they did. We just we had um, our creditors coming, and we just got rid of all of our old crutches. I don't even know what we did with those mm-hmm. but Yeah, there are there are places that are. I just I have. Uh, yeah. I I just in not um, I've been doing this long enough, thirteen years that people in my church and uh, suppliers for my clinic know. That we take stuff, and so they drop off stuff all the time. It might be a DME supplier who's got a clinic uh, that they're they're buying new things, and so they've got old old stuff that's brand new, basically. You know, they're just going with a different model, and they'll donate that that kind of thing. And people get crutches at you know at uh, garage sales all the time, and they'll pay a buck, or you know, if they tell them what they're giving them for, they usually give them away. And uh, wheelchairs, usually, that's the same way too. We get a good supply of wheelchairs just from all kinds of different sources. So it's really, you know, I think once you, if you start doing it, then people really, and you advertise say through your medical clinic email system or through your church email or whatever it is, just put the needs out there. There's lots of stuff just sitting in doctors' offices and nursing homes. Nursing homes are a great place that people die and they don't know what to do with a wheelchair and that kind of thing. So. She started taking all of our supplies, so all of our rooms that aren't isolation rooms, so there's not any contamination. We have to throw it all away <coughs> because there was a big outbreak so a year ago. So we have to throw everything away. So we put very little supply in the room now, and we um, don't worry about to get it. So when the rooms are empty, when the patient moves, they all, it all has to be thrown away. So instead of throwing it away, now we put it in a plastic, big, huge container and she take it to the medical Yep. Okay. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. I'm Debbie. Hi, Debbie. I work for a medical group in China. Um, oh. I'm not okay. medical per se, but we're always looking for physical therapist, occupational speech therapists. Is there websites that we could advertise needs? We need people to come over to work for a few weeks or months to work with our foster kids. We have a lot of CPKs. Okay. And do they have to be faith-based people? or? Because, um, you know, we have national organizations and state organizations that you could probably advertise through. Um, the Wisconsin, oh well, the American Physical Therapy Association probably has, uh, I think, some stuff on their websites for that. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the question. Is you know, American Physical Therapy Association. Yeah. Possibly they would the like them to be faith-based. Uh-huh. Well, you could. But I don't know if they would advertise for you, but you could. You could. Uh, you could say you're faith-based, so people. You know, have that understanding, and okay. they're not going to, whether they will advertise, I think they will, um, but, you know, because there's certainly faith-based people within the organization that would like that. Type okay. of things, so. American. Okay. And what about the Christian Medical and Dental Association? Well, um, GHO is the uh, short-term mission branch for that. We go to China, so I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to people about bringing in China or not, but... GHO stands for what? Global Health Outreach. Okay. So if, you know where the CMDA booth is down there? It's kind of about six or eight booths, right in the middle. Kind of, of what floor? Uh, downstairs in the. First Yeah. Okay. So I'll if you look on. for that, and then you find, you'll find GHO in the midst of that, and that would be. Um, that's a short-term mission organization. Talk to Don Thompson, and he would. Um, I think he. I don't know if he's teaching this next session or not, but. Okay, so um, that would be one contact. The other thing would be um, EMI, or MEI, the Medical Education International. And what they do is they send teaching teams over, so they would take, yeah, yeah, So they would take uh, people of different disciplines, whatever discipline you're inviting. And then go from there. So they take a team of doctors, therapists, whatever, and then they come into your facility and teach okay. local people of the same. Great. Well, that's a good start for yeah. me. Yeah, so that's right next to GHO down the stairs. On the first floor. Yep. Okay. On the yep. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure.